Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. I am your host, Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and mental health cat advocate here to discuss psychedelics. Tonight, I am honored to have Charles Patty. He is the chief brand officer for Myself Wellness. It's a cutting edge ketamine clinic out in Bonita Springs. They are a pioneer in the psychedelic space. They guide clients through the healing process with psychedelic ketamine therapy coupled with healthy lifestyle practices. Myself Wellness treats those struggling with pain, trauma, anxiety, depression, and PTSD, along with many other mental health conditions. They employ a large team of 17 professionals, and to date, they have helped over 1,000 individuals find healing through over 7,000 ketamine treatments to date. In addition to Myself Wellness, Charles Patty has also co-founded the nonprofit Warriors of Consciousness. I love it along with Myself Wellness President Christina Thomas. The organization's mission is to help those who are struggling with anxiety, PTSD, depression, and other mental health conditions and cannot afford the psychedelic ketamine treatments. To date, that organization has helped over 70 individuals. Welcome, Charles. Thank you very much for having me, Sonia. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's it's been great, actually, both of us being in the ketamine space. We've kind of connected multiple times and been able to heal, you know, people on the East and West Coast of Florida. So it's been, it's been great. Um, Especially knowing that I have a clinic to refer, you know, I have patients that have been wanting to travel from the West Coast, Naples, Fort Myers, and having, you know, your clinic, being able to be a resource to send them there and then vice versa, right? Like having to drive two to three hours is not conducive uh, to then go back home after ketamine uh, treatment. So it's it's been a great partnership there. Yeah. No, for sure. There's uh, definitely, there's like not a ton of people in the space where we would like, you know, refer people out and we love sending like the, the vice versa thing because what you guys are doing over there is amazing as well. Thank you. Thank you. I, I wanted to kind of touch more on a personal note. You know, I always am curious as people's wise, I know you've kind of struggled with addiction in your past and and really psychedelics have, you know, transformed your life. And I kind of wanted to go deep into, you know, what psychedelics were your experiences and what, what your healing aspect was in, in each of those. For sure. So, I mean, I guess I'll kind of like start at the beginning where when I was young, my dad died when I was like six. <clears throat> he passed away from lung cancer. And you know, that was a really traumatic experience for me. I was really young and and I didn't know what was exactly going on. I didn't know how to process it very well. And my first stepdad directly after that was an alcoholic. And so it was common for me to be able to have sips of his beer and wine and stuff like that, even when I was like six and seven, moving on like eight years old. And by the time I was 10 or 11, he was getting drunk with me on the weekends. And so, you know, I was kind of like, set up with that example of this is the norm and, you know, like it's perfectly normal to get drunk all the time. And I kind of emulated that, you know, into my early teens. And then I started experimenting with cocaine and Xanax, you know, around 14 years old, you know, different pain pills and things like that. By the time I was 16, I had got arrested for my first DUI because every single time- Yeah, my stepdad got into the car. Every single time he got into the car, he either had a big glass of wine or a beer on him and stuff like that. And so, you know, it was like, it was kind of like a, you know, a bad example. And and I just kept on moving in that direction. By the time I was 18, 
my guy who I was getting cocaine from started getting Oxycontin 80s. That was really like the big downfall for me. That was when things really got out of control and unmanageable. You know, I had experimented with Percocet and Somas and things like that, but that was a completely different beast. And, you know, that was the first time I had ever taken something and actually started going through withdrawals and getting sick from not taking it. And, you know, after I was about 19, everybody that I was hanging out with was either doing cocaine or smoking crack and, you know, a lot of heroin use was going on, oxy-80s. When I first started doing them, you know, they were like 20 bucks a pill. And like, you know, that really wasn't that outrageous. So like, you know, it was, it was easy access. And then it evolved into, you know, now it's 25 a pill and then it was $40 a pill. And before I knew it, it was a dollar a milligram. So they were 80 bucks a pill. And, you know, one of my, the guy who I had been getting my stuff from, he started sniffing heroin because he said it was cheaper and way better. And so, you know, I, I tried that and, you know, swore that I would never inject it, but, you know, things evolved and, you know, it was so expensive to the point where like I was doing a gram of heroin a day. I was like, you know, snorting an eight ball of Coke a day. And I saw my buddies using a very small portion of what I was consuming and using it intravenously. And it seemed to last them a lot longer and be way cheaper. And so I took that next step and, you know, it was a, it was a battle from like 19 forward, you know, like I would get clean and I would sober up. I would always end up relapsing, you know? And so I struggled with opiates and cocaine and alcohol abuse and benzodiazepine abuse on and off until I was like in my early thirties. And it, 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 you know, it's the same thing where a lot of people have the stories out there where like, I wanted to get clean so badly. And like, I just couldn't, I didn't ever felt right. You know, like I would, I would stop taking the drugs and then all of my symptoms of depression, anxiety, PTSD would end up coming back, you know, and I'd go to meetings and like the most time I had ever put together, like for substantial sobriety was like six months long, you know? And then after the six months, I was like, listen, if I'm going to feel like this for the rest of my life, I'm just going to go get high again because like I, I was miserable, you know? And you've been numbing yourself since you were six, never really dealing with that loss, that grief. hundred percent. You know, and what it is, is like, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, the food, I was addicted to everything, you know, gambling, sex, you name it. And like, it was just a symptom of an underlying issue or like a lot of underlying issues. You know, I had been diagnosed as being bipolar and having OCD, clinically depressed, anxiety on strings of pharmaceutical medications throughout my life and nothing ever worked. So like I always resorted back to drinking alcohol and using these other substances. And it was really like, like I had used a lot of different psychedelic compounds recreationally growing up. And, you know, like I had some great times on them, but like nothing therapeutic ever happened. I was always in a party setting, you know, and like I had some good conversations on MDMA, I guess, but like nothing ever, (laughs) you know, and it was one night when I was like really in the middle of my addiction where it was like the synchronicity of the universe and and a guy that I was getting MDMA from on the other co- on your coast drove over to my coast and brought another guy with him that had some and it was it's a dissociative just like ketamine it's just a longer acting dissociative um it's a research chemical and it's basically just like ketamine except for it's just a longer dissociation and so I took some MDMA and right before it kicked in the guy busted out a bag of the other stuff basically like ketamine on steroids and I did a couple key bumps of it. And the next thing I knew, the entire room broke down to a quantum state. 
I stood up and I looked at everyone and I was like, man, if I didn't know what the universe was about before, I know what it's about now, man. I was like, everything's made of energy and I'm so full of positive energy right now. I sat down and it looked like I was in a scene out of the matrix. Like all of the atoms were humming and vibrating and everything. Everything was green, but like at different frequencies and densities. And I sat down and I looked up and a geometric portal started opening above me in the ceiling. I felt like I was being lowered down in a slingshot and I got skyrocketed out of my body into deep space. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I thought I was dead. You know, I, I was like, oh, well, I died. <laughs> I, I'm like out in the middle of the universe. And listen, this is going to sound crazy, but just bear with me here. And I realized that like I wasn't just out in the middle of the universe, but I was looking through a window like out into the middle of the universe. And I turned around and I was on a ship. And there was higher dimensional beings there. And basically they started telepathically communicating with me, telling me that I needed to get my life together and that I needed to stop taking drugs because I was supposed to heal so I could help people heal. And I ended up having a full-blown burning bush experience that night where Jesus ended up coming out. And I put my, and listen, I'm not religious. I'm a very spiritual person. It was just my experience. So I'm not standing here trying to preach to anybody. I put my hand on Jesus's arm and it was like an explosion of the most loving euphoric feeling I had ever felt in my life. And like, I was, I had a crippling fear of death until that night because my dad died. And that was like a very traumatic thing. I used to be, used to be so bad. I'd wake up every day and I'd be like, am I going to die today? You know? And, and listen, like, you know, I, I got all of those messages that night and no, I did not put all of them into place in my life. You know, I, I didn't have anybody into, to integrate the experience with. Um, my life didn't change that much. You know, I actually felt more alone after that. And started researching like, you know, like ET experiences and ketamine and trying to figure out what happened to me. And DMT and the spirit molecule kept popping up over and over again by Rick Strassman. So I watched that movie like 50 times, trying to integrate myself and trying to make sense of what happened to me that night. And I found out there was a lot of other people that had similar experiences to the ones that I had. And so... You know, it was a process like over the next 10 years where like, you know, I'd still, I'd put a little bit of time together. I'd kind of relapse, but I was married at that time. And then my ex-wife and I split up because I wanted to get sober and she wasn't ready yet. And so I remembered like I, I had got some DMT before that, like after that first experience, like six months later, and I had some super profound experiences and I was hooked on heroin at this time. And I was like, you know what? Like, I need to get some DMT and I need to smoke it so I can quit using this. And, you know, I, I, the DMT synchronistically, like, landed into the equation. I smoked it and went to another universe, alternate universe, where there's all these beings cheering and chanting for me, telling me it wasn't too late and that I could do it. And I came out of that experience and took a little bit of Suboxone, an ounce of cannabis, and locked myself in a room for a week and detoxed myself. You know, and so, like... Psychedelic medicines saved my life. They saved my life because they gave me the ability to love myself enough to actually want to change my life. It took my fear of death away. And, you know, ever since then, I've been screaming from any soapbox that I can jump on and letting everybody know, like, because when you have that kind of experience or you, you have gone through your own personal hell like that, and then you find something and it rips you right out of it, like... You feel like if you don't tell anybody, then like, what was the point? Like, what did what did I go through that for? So you know, here we are. And those experience, wow! That I was actually kind of teary eyed when you were telling me about that that first uh, experience. And and I think that people do live in fear of death. So many people do. And you know, I usually don't tell my patients until after the fact, but you do experience death, right? Yeah. And it's usually symbolic, metaphorical. 
Um, but usually there's that fear, you know, and you just get to release it. And that's something that's so beautiful in that experience uh, to have that and that messaging. That is an amazing story. That's such an amazing story. And so many people are going through that. Yeah. Right um, now. The, the, the symbol for myself wellness, like our actual like emblem, it's an ancient symbol for rebirth. And people have those death experiences at our facility a lot of the time um, on the right doses of ketamine. You know, I my last ketamine treatment or like use of a psychedelic compound was like four years ago. And it was like after I did my ketamine sessions. And one of the reasons why I stopped doing anything, because like I had hundreds of psychedelic experiences. I started after those first experiences like that, those breakthrough experiences, I was like, okay, psychonaut like i'm deep diving i'm gonna figure out what's going on i'm gonna figure out what the universe was all about all of this kind of stuff so i was like you know an interdimensional traveler at one time but yeah. the thing is, is that on my last ketamine treatment i died and it wasn't the first time i had died i had died on a lot of different psychedelic compounds and for the listeners out there not literally died it's a death experience right. yes. <laughs> and you know it's like I made it through, you know, like all of these years of substance abuse issues, heroin, crack, everything, you know, and I took the ketamine and I died. And so I'm sitting there in like, you know, the abyss of nothingness and the void. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I took the ketamine and I died. I was like, I made it through everything. You know, it's like, like I made it through every crazy experience that I had up to this point. And like, now I'm at a clinic and I took the ketamine and I died. And I was just like, oh, man. I was like, this is awful, you know, because like I have a, a beautiful woman in my life and I, I our son Charlie was only 18 months old at the time. And I was like, I got a beautiful baby boy and we have a company that's helping people heal with psychedelics. And I took the ketamine and I was like, man, I was like, I'd give anything to get it back. It was like this, like, like I like I, I realized everything that I had that I was taking for granted up to that point. And then once I had it popped through my head again, like, man, I would give anything to get it back. I'm back in my body. And I was just like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I've I, learned enough. I've learned enough. I'm good. Yeah, I don't need to die anymore. Like, I, I get it now. And it's like, listen, like, you know, it's my it's my belief in, like, understanding that, you know, I had a lot of oneness experiences that were all one collective consciousness. Separation is an illusion, you know, that we're basically extensions of the divine, but we're all it. And I believe that we can manifest anything that we want, you know? So as long as we just never give up, keep our vibration high, put positive energy out into the universe, use the laws of attraction. And so ever since then, I've just been on this mission, mission to like help as many people as I possibly can. One of the reasons why we started the Warriors of Consciousness is because, you know, a lot of people can't afford these kind of therapies. And, you know, we've actually like, like, thank you for the beautiful intro, but we're actually coming up on like 10,000 treatments that we've done, you know, in the last That's amazing. So it's like, it's pretty, from a guy who never thought that I was going to accomplish anything and I thought that I was going to end up in prison or dead from my substance abuse issues to completely turning it all around and being able to help people now and, and you know, use my voice to spread the psychedelic gospel, basically, like. Yeah. You know, there is hope for people. Like, you don't have to suffer anymore. We have an FDA-approved medication that's so safe that they give it to babies for surgery. And yes. at right doses, it's giving people some of the most profound psychedelic experiences a human being can have, you know? And that's the important part. It's the right doses, you know? Because I know I see a lot of clinics opening up and, you know, there's 
you know, ketamine is so beneficial. It is so amazing. And it's very safe, obviously, if used appropriately, you know, it saddens me with the whole Matthew Perry story, you know, and all that. But obviously there were just, there are dangers, you know, you should never be around water. We don't know the full extent of the story or what transpired in that as long as he was not near water, he would still be alive today with that dose of ketamine. You know, I've said it for like since we started and I did my ketamine experiences, I was like water and ketamine don't mix. You literally get paralyzed. Psychedelics and water don't mix, but no, especially for, ketamine, you're yeah. paralyzed. Exactly. You can't move. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what happened is, this, you know, listen, Matthew Perry was on a couple different medications. He was on buprenorphine, which is like Suboxone. It, you know, it's an opiate blocker. Uh, he was on lorazepam, which is, you know, basically like Xanax. And, you know, he was on an anesthetic dose of ketamine in a hot tub. And, you know, I, I think he probably went into an anesthetic state where he went into a disassociated state and he, you know, was probably having a beautiful experience and never came out yeah. of it. Yeah. And just to clarify out there, you know, an anesthetic dose, you know, in clinics, we're giving very low dose. An anesthetic dose that I give in surgery, you know, for trauma patients, we can do surgery on a patient on an anesthetic dose. I mean, their brain is awake, but they're not present because their brain is disconnected from their body. Their bodies don't move. They don't feel pain. They don't feel anything. They're, you know, somewhere else. So he didn't suffer in his in his drowning, but that's how high of a dose he had. It was not a normal, you know, therapeutic mental health dosing. You know, that being said, there's also too low dosing. I even, I've seen the research where it says, oh, Ketamine is, you know, somewhat beneficial for mental health, but not much. And you look at the actual dosing that they give the patients and it's 0.5 milligrams per kilogram, which is nice for therapy, right, to talk and go through, but it's not an actual therapeutic transformational dose, you know? Yeah. So you would need to definitely go up above one milligram. Some, some clinics, their max dose is one milligram per kilogram, you know, but I regularly will definitely give way more than that. You know, you know, we embrace the psychedelic experience. Like I know yes. you got as well. I mean, you yeah. know, it wasn't, it wasn't a sub psychedelic dose of any of these medications that, you know, are medicines that changed my life. It was the psycho spiritual experiences that completely changed everything for me and, and really transformed me into the man that I am today, you know? So, you know, and one other thing is, is like, and, and listen, I get I, I get crap for saying this sometimes, but it is what it is. It's like, I don't advocate for at-home ketamine either. I, I think it's a really bad idea. You know, it, I've been saying for four years now, listen, I can give you a million positive ketamine stories, okay? Like, and like, we can, we can, I got both of us probably have tons of positive ketamine stories, but it's not those that make the headlines. It's the guy who's accidentally going to swan dive off of his balcony because he doesn't know what he's doing or somebody that takes ketamine in water and then the entire world thinks that it's a dangerous medication now. And so, you know, there's people that come out of treatments at our clinic and like if we weren't there to walk them to the bathroom, they would probably fall straight over on their face. And, you know, like that could exactly. Happen. Yeah. You know, that could happen in somebody's house and their head could hit the corner of a bureau or something and it's lights out, you know? So it's like, I think that like, Listen, like, I don't want people to suffer and I want people to heal. And I'm not trying to block or like bad. Because listen, I'm not saying, listen, anybody, everybody's going to do what they're going to do anyways. Uh, everybody's on their own individual healing journeys. But, you know, the truth is, is that in an industry that's in its like pre-infancy, 
I mean, like none of the actual hallucinogens are even FDA approved yet. So like all we have is ketamine, which isn't even a hallucinogen, it's a dissociative. And if we have a bunch of horror stories, it's going to be a big roadblock for us to gain access to these other life-saving life saving modalities in my personal yeah. yeah, that's why I have this podcast to educate people on safe dosing, safe practices and and all of that. And, you know, I, I too am hesitant with at-home ketamine. I won't prescribe it for my patients, but I do understand the affordability. You know, that's, you know, why we're here talking today too about like, how can we make this the universal healing for everyone because mental health is still suffering. What we have right now is not working. We need to do something different. And psychedelics has so much potential to heal, but how can we make it affordable and accessible? That's why I love, love your Warriors Foundation to, you know, to support and, you know, provide this treatment for all these people that are suffering. But there's so many more people that aren't veterans that are still suffering. No, for sure. And and just so, just so everybody knows, like our, our nonprofit isn't pigeonholed just to, to veterans. We treat all kinds of people. Like literally okay. we had we had a lady show up at our clinic like a couple of weeks ago or like a month ago and she was crying in our lobby and she couldn't afford the treatments. She was an alcoholic and saw one of our posts on social media and she was just completely wrecked and like Christina and I just looked at each other and we're like, We'll treat you. You know, so we treat it and, and listen, like a lot of a lot of it's not really money that we're raising to treat the people. Christina and I actually just donate most of these treatments. But, you know, it would be great if we could take some donations. But, like, the thing is, is that, you know, I'm an empath. I just don't want people to suffer anymore. And, you know, like, yeah. everybody needs access to this stuff. You know, it's it's like, I listen, I'm not trying to name drop, but it's just a cool story. It's like, you know, I was in Miami and Michael Pollan was having a, a book release event. And, like, I was speaking to him and he's like, so listen, man. He's like, if we didn't get any of the other compounds. It's like, do you think ketamine's enough? And I was like, absolutely. You know, like it, there's not too many. I mean, listen, I'm a huge fan of all the other ones. Don't get me wrong. But like the, the success rate with ketamine is ridiculous. You know, it's, it's like it, you have so many people that are getting off of all of their pharmaceutical medications. It's really not very often that the medication, that ketamine doesn't work for people. And so it's like, you know, we have it right now. And I think that's another frustrating point for me. Sorry about that. Um, I think, it, you know, it's it's another frustrating point for me is that we have access to a, a medication right now that is giving people some of the most profound psychedelic experiences a human being can have. And people call up and it's like, well, oh, it's not mushrooms. Okay, I don't want to do that. And it's just like. Yes, people always want that. Yeah, they're always looking for that now. You got it. Yeah, but this is the only legal access, right? Yeah. How can we make it more affordable, AKA insurance coverage? So, but that's the difficult part is who's gonna pay for the research to get insurance to cover it. I know Kimberly with the Academy Task Force, they're trying to um, get the research studies and the funding done so we could do longevity studies so that we can actually get it covered by insurance. And that would be transformative, but that's, it's time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I'm I'm happy that you have your foundation because that that was going to help those in the interim and even in our clinic we try and we we will give you know we we always sponsor a veteran once a month so if you ever have a veteran that's on our coast you know we we do sponsor those but it's difficult you know it's not just the ketamine right 
you guys implement, you know, the lifestyle and the different things to implement? What things do you kind of push and what other things do you provide in your clinic to help support it? You know, like the ketamine is literally just, to, it, it, listen, it's a catalyst and a tool, okay? And exactly. Very effective tool and a very effective catalyst, especially with the increased dopamine levels because now I'm starting to feel good and now I'm motivated to start doing healthier things in my life, maybe exercising or just like, you know, I had a lady tell me today, she's like, she's like I did my laundry. She's like, I have the hardest time doing my laundry and I've had piles of laundry that wasn't really a necessity that I kept pushing off to the side. And she's like, and I did it all, you know? So it's like, it really ignites that fire within people to start doing things that they might not have wanted to do before because the depression was so bad. But the truth is, is like, it's, that's the ketamine's just the beginning of the journey. All right. You know, and like now it's the healthy lifestyle practices. Now it's about... Ketamine is a chemically induced meditation at the deepest level possible. And they've done studies on the brain where, you know, people that are heavy, like, you know, really experienced meditators and people on ketamine kind of like have the same brain waves that are happening. Yeah. Literally. So like meditation's really the answer. So like you've have to and yes. this new neuroplasticity happening when you're in these sessions, you're literally training your mind to go into meditative states. So like meditation, breath work, a lot of people don't even realize when they are full of anxiety that if they took a couple minutes to just do some really deep breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth and oxygenate their body, their anxiety would probably go away. I go to the gym five days a week. I sit in the sauna after I train. I run a mile and a quarter before I train every single day. I eat all organic foods, non-GMO. I drink natural spring waters. It's like what we put in here determines the way we feel up here. And like what, yes. I, what, what I watch determines the way I feel up here. What I listen to, you know, it's like I try not to listen to the music that I used to listen to years ago. Like, you know, all kinds of derogatory things. And it's like, especially a lot of this rap music. We are biological computers at the end of the day. And at all times we're being programmed and we don't even realize it. So it's like, now I need to be mindful and program myself properly. Exactly. Yeah. I always tell uh, patients, it's, you know, what do you expose yourself to? You know, I used to be stressed and anxious, but I listened to news podcasts and watch the news. I always had the news in the background and the news is all about trying to sell fear and try to sell negativity because that's what people like, like negative stuff. And the anxiety was so bad. It transformed just by not doing that. Now I listen to, you know, just either meditations or positive podcasts, mindset podcasts. And I definitely don't watch the news. <laughs> I do not watch the news. The music that I listen to now is like mostly electronic music, electronic dance music without words, <laughs> you know, things like that. And like, like you were saying, like, like I don't watch the news at all anymore. The one thing that like we, we do as a society is, you know, it doesn't matter like what political side that you're on or if you are, you know, deeply into politics or whatever, but like, it's always the other side's fault, you know? And so like, I can sit here and project my anger and my accountability onto the actions of other people or what's happening in the world and all of these unjust things. But the truth is, is like, all I can do is focus on me. Like, that's the only thing I can control is like what I'm putting in here, what like what I'm putting in my mouth to eat, what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, all of these things. And like, you know, the only way out is in. 
You have to go in and do the work. And I call all of the other stuff chatter, you know, and it's like, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know there's a lot of horrible things that are happening in the world, but like, I truly, me getting upset about all of that stuff doesn't affect it in a positive way because we're using the laws of attraction at all times, whether we know it or not. And so like, if I'm frustrated and upset all of the time because of all of the unjust things that are happening, it's manifesting into my life and I'm attracting more of it. So it's like, I, you know, I believe we are the manifestors of reality and the co-creators of existence. And if I stay laser focused on working on myself and helping other people heal, that's how we transform humanity. That's how we yes. actually change the world. All of the other stuff is just distractions in my opinion. Yeah, because if you can't actually do anything about it just by, I mean, people say, oh, you have to know what's going on in the world. Yes, but what am I doing about it? So if I'm not doing anything about it, all I'm doing is poisoning my mind. So it's yeah. like, like, so like the more that we progress with psychedelics and we like, you know, okay, Ram Dass said it, all I can do is work on me and all you can do is work on you. That's it. That's the key. Yeah. So like, but like we might get to a point at which I think we will in the near future where, you know, MDMA, like I've been talking about this for years, but like, you know, I'm glad MAPS is going to be trying to spearhead something on conflict resolution with MDMA. I used to joke around and be like, put all these world leaders that are fighting with each other in a room and give them all MDMA. And I bet. Yes. Oh, oh, oh yeah. And come out hugging oh, each yeah. other and telling everybody, telling each other that they love each other, you know? And it's like, yes. MDMA did that for me. It's a, it's a very heart opening drug medicine. And, you know, like I used it in a recreational sense, but like I went from being, you know, like going to rap concerts and like there was fights all the time and people getting shot in the parking lots and like, you know, SWAT teams in the parking lots after the shows. And then I started getting into the EDM industry and it's like, there was a lot of MDMA use and like, I never saw any fights. Like everybody got along really well. It was this beautiful energy that was there. And, you know, like psychedelic medicines gave me the ability to love myself enough so I could actually love other people. I mean, yeah. because that's where it all starts. It all starts. Well, that's the frequency. That's the frequency for everyone is just love, love, yeah. love. What do you see coming about in 2024 with psychedelics? You know, ketamine is progressing nicely. And um, what do you find is the future coming up this year? So much, I feel. So, I mean, like, you know, maps, we all know about the maps, um, you know, in July, around July, hopefully MDMA is supposed to go through. We've been hearing about that for the last few years. So keep our fingers. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, but, but like the thing is, is that I know it all, like the veteran community is really our ally in this angle. I mean, people, veterans, people, they served our country. They, you know, they put their life on the line and we kind of just left them hanging. And the efficacy of what these medicines are doing for our veteran community is just astounding. So, you know, I feel that the more veterans and first responders and success stories that we have with them and these guys getting or guys and gals getting on their soapboxes and screaming from the rooftops, kind of like what, you know, like with what I do with my story and stuff like that. I think it's all about destigmatizing these things, breaking the taboos and stigmas, you know, associated with these medicines. And so I, I'm a very big believer that MDMA will go through. Um, I do believe psilocybin will actually follow, you know, the efficacy of what they're showing with psilocybin for even just like, you know, nicotine abuse. You know, John Hopkins University did a study with that. I know that Imperial College of London, they're doing studies for psilocybin for heroin addicts. 
you know, I like, I know it works. I had a six gram mushroom trip where I had a oneness experience and I like, I quit drinking and using cocaine from that experience. And so, you know, I know it works and it's just a matter of time. You know, we just need to figure out how to make this digestible for everybody and let people know that, you know, a lot of these medicines were misused and abused just like anything else can be. But when used properly in the therapeutic setting, you know, for, as a tool for meditation, they can transform this healing journey in a positive direction exponentially faster than any of these pharmaceutical medications out there are doing. 100%, especially with the the integration and be able to process. Even your first deep experience having that process and no integration, that's why you continued using. Imagine if you had that support and all that through that discovery and how to be able to apply it and actually integrate it into your life. You know, you might have at a sooner uh, cleanse. Yeah, no, for sure. And (laughs) integration is key. You know, we can can have these, you know, Alan Watts said it. It's like, you know, psychedelic medicines are like a telephone receiver. You put the receiver up to your ear, you listen to the message, but it's important to put the receiver back down and apply what you've learned to your life. And, pardon me, and and integrating these experiences is really the, the recipe for success. You know, you have these amazing, beautiful journeys, but, and listen, like, I think that that's one of the reasons why I ended up having so much success with my psychedelic experiences is like, I received all of this guidance and like these downloads of information and like basically the answers to what I needed to do to make my life better. And I just took it like really seriously. Like, you know, I listened to it. It wasn't just like this, wow, that was an amazing trip. And like, it was so cool. And like, I got all, and then like, you don't apply what you've learned to your life. I basically took it as like, okay, this is the gospel and this is what I need to do. And then bam, ended up transforming everything. And, and I hope those that are contemplating psychedelics now for their healing, take it seriously. You know, when you're younger, people take psychedelics. It's fun. It's let's have a good time. And then they say, oh, I had a bad trip, even though I don't know that there's such thing as a bad trip because they just needed integration. And I'm sure something came out very important for them in that sense. But it's really applying it and taking it seriously. It's not just fun and games, although sometimes it can be, but it's all about learning and growing and releasing all those subconscious stories. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So thank you so much for coming on, Charles. I know this has been a long time coming. So thanks for having me and listen, thank you very much for what you're doing for the world. I really appreciate you. You are one of the people out there that's doing it the right way. So I really commend you for that. No, thank you. You as well. I'm so happy we connected. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining me on this week's episode of Psychedelic Healing. You have a beautiful night.